And we are back 31 uh, minutes after 11 o'clock. Richard A. Berry, Bears Garden Center, has joined us. A uh, little rain yesterday. It was not. I don't know. I kind of heard it. It, it, it sounded like a, a, a mist during the night. How much did we get during the night? About a half an inch at the airport. Okay. But, but you know how it is. Everywhere yeah. can be a little bit different, but it was about a half an inch. It's, and what it's, was forecast? It's, it's much needed, not only just from the rain, but just from the temperature standpoint. Uh, it's made a uh, it's made a huge difference. I mean, it's it's still humid, obviously, but uh, it's just not reaching those temperatures. I mean, that Fourth of July weekend was a was a was a hot weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was about a two week stretch, really. That's right. I mean, That's right. But if you were going outside for the for the celebrations, you you paid for it. Let me tell you. But uh, so it's nice. Uh, it, it helps everything. The uh, the moisture uh, will get everything growing, and so. Um, we're still kind of in between between things we can do, Jeff. We're just uh, kind of at a stalemate, battling the, between battling the heat and and vacations and all that good stuff. It's kind of that time of year where people just kind of look out the window and see what's happening from a from an inside vantage. All right, brought in looks uh, like a couple of tomato plants. Very, very good, Jeff. Twenty years ago, could you identify this? Probably not. Yeah, you could have. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, you could have. Um, but anyway, so from here on out to about the middle of August, you start to plant the, and I'm going to say this very uh, cautiously, the fall tomatoes. I hate saying that in the middle of July, but we're talking about production, uh, not growth. So you got a, a, about a month, really. Now, we'll go later than that because what some people do, Jeff, and I'll give you a good example of, of our climate. All right, so if you would put this in a, in a container, whether it be now or to the end of August, in a container and grow it. Last year, you know, everybody says we had a cold winter. Well, we had a cold week. And you remember that? That was, yeah, that, well, was yeah. that was no, Christmas no. week. Um, it was really, really cold. It got down to, uh, I don't remember, but it was the lower 20s. And it froze for a couple of days, and it was really bad. But if you take that four or five days out of the, the picture, it was a very warm winter. My point in saying is that, you know, these plants here in a container, uh, if you'd have just brought them in for that, those few days, January was in the 70s. Yeah, and, yeah. And, the, and, and February was close to the same. We did have a 32-degree a freeze for overnight in March, which was bad. And in some areas. I, I know some areas were more affected than others. No, no, that's right. But it was bad only because a lot of people had planted their spring crops. So that one darn night kind of messed up that early planting but in theory in theory like i tell everybody you could have planted your spring crop in january 1st and you would have you would have pretty much produced up till the middle of march i mean you can't you can't count on that but so so my point is you can plant this now till let's say the end of august if you could go toward the end of august you want to put it in the container because uh, there's a chance we'll get some some cold weather before they start producing, but it will be short term. As as uh, uh, you know, even the cold weather two years ago, it was the end of March or end of February when it occurred, and uh, other than that, it was very warm. So it's these, you know, it's, it's it's kind of a balancing act. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, uh, kind of the climate, and uh, I saw a report on uh, the news a few days ago about uh, the Georgia peach crop. I don't know if you saw this, but anyway, 
and they were talking about what we talk about uh, sometimes is the number of chill hours right. that these uh, that these uh, fruit trees need, and it's a big discussion with uh, with our customers that come in uh, about chill hours. We talk to them, and if you go look at North Louisiana, Jeff, where uh, you know the the rust and peach they used to call it. Uh, there is no more rust and peach, all right? There, there's no, 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 or for the most part, there's, it's not a cash crop anymore uh, because of climate change. And now it's occurred in Georgia. You know, the, I, I think Georgia is either the peach capital of the world or... or, or they claim it, yeah. uh, and maybe legitimately yeah, so. It was, it, it was legit. It was legit. <laughs> But I used to tell people now that the rust and peach is coming from Georgia. Now I'm not sure where the, 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 the rust and peach can come from because Georgia's having the same issue. And they were talking to this farmer, and there were acres and acres of these peach trees. And he says they're, uh, they're not fruiting because they needed, I forget what, exactly what he said, but they needed eight, nine hundred hours of chill hours of, of weather below, I think it's either 42 or 45 degrees, number of hours below that for them to set fruit. And he says now, over the last several years, we're only getting about 700 of those chill hours of that 42 degrees and below for that number of hours. Therefore, they're not setting the fruit. Even if they do flower, the fruit don't set. And so he was basically in trouble because what do you do? You know, you just can't change. You can say, well, I'm going to plant uh, trees that, that require 700 chill hours. Well, that takes a lot of money and years of capital before you start production. So... Uh, you know, the chill hour is a major major issue for for everyone, and for here it's it's a it's a you know you know we're starting to get trees that take a lot less chill hours, but it's a balancing act, Jeff, because you know I don't know you know if you get one that takes 200 chill hours, let's say, and let's say last year, uh, and I'm not saying I know know this, but let's assume that last year we got our 200 chill hours by the end of December, all right. And then January was warm, all right? So now all these trees come out and, and bloom. By the end of January, they're in full bloom. Well, it's too early because even though the climate has changed and we're getting warmer winters, it just takes one darn yeah, freeze yeah. to knock it out. And sure enough, we, we got that one freeze to knock it out. So it's a, it's a battle, but, but, but for sure, for sure, you want to be careful in terms of varieties you're planting because it does make a difference in terms of where you're planting and, and how successful you can be. It, the, you know, the, the rules have changed, and we just kind of kind of have to change uh, with those rules. Gotcha. What else uh, is on your mind these days? Well, I just want to mention before I go on, like this is uh, these are some of these heat-tolerant varieties on tomatoes. One is called Heat Wave. One is called Solar Fire. There's Florida 91. There's Talladega. And there's about three or four or five or six different varieties of Heat tolerant. Remember, the heat is more in reference to the flowers themselves as opposed to the plant. You take any plant, they will grow like a weed in terms of tomatoes right now. It's the setting of the fruit because these will start blooming in uh, probably uh, end of August and September. And it still can be some warm days, so you want to be able to set. So that's what it's in reference to. Probably a little bit more resistant to certain viruses and diseases too. But the, the main thing, if you do plant anything right now, is because the temperatures are so high and soil temperatures will get high, you want to make sure you mulch them and you want to water them pretty much every day. Uh, I mean, if it's in the ground, maybe three times a week, 
But in a container, you're going to have to flood them every day for them to have a chance. People come in and say, uh, I planted my cucumber plants, and, man, they came up. They were beautiful, and then overnight they just fried, and that's due to uh, – temperatures and so you want to mulch them once you get that seed up you want to mulch it again the mulch will help a lot of reasons but the big ones it'll hold moisture and keep the soil temperatures down around that plant so it's really important after they start to germinate maybe get two or three inches tall and you got to water every day remember this little plant this little seedling uh, that's planted has a very uh, uh, nominal root system so that root system is pretty much on top of the ground and very few roots so it doesn't take much for it to just dry out and so you got to do a combination of, of both People wouldn't want to fertilize their lawns. Now's the time to do it, Jeff. I know temperatures are hot, but the ground's wet. And it looks like we forecast for a little bit more moisture for the next few days. Now's a great time if you say, man, I've been waiting, 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 or I want to hit it for a neck, uh, another round. Now's a great time to put it down, and it will give you a flush. It's going to make that grass grow, though. So kind of a word of warning is that not only will the fertilizer help it grow, but the moisture uh, is making a big difference in terms of the uh, uh, the growth growth of the lawn. So kind of kind of keep that in mind and uh it's a good combination all right so i'm going to change a little bit you know we sell chemicals jeff and i'm I'm trying to think of what i could talk about we're kind of in between seasons but one issue that's been around here for the last uh, i'd say seven to 14 days are fleas okay i've noticed that fleas are a huge problem and it's you know one of my guests ate one I mean, really? just accidentally breathe one in, just a little thing buzzing around the <laughs> it, microphone. It doesn't take it doesn't take much, and they multiply so fast, and so you got to battle fleas fleas a couple different ways. There's outside fleas, outside the fleas are starting the outside, then move in, uh, and so you really don't want to do one without the other. Uh, and I guess the, the the biggest mistake people make, especially up till the time we got the uh, the rainfall uh, that we desperately needed was that uh, if you're going to spray chemicals outside and it's really, really dry, it's very, very important that you water the area to be, to be sprayed with insecticide first. And the reason for that is, is that those fleas will go deep in the ground. And so when you spray your chemical out, if you don't soak it and, and, and make it go deep, which will take you a lot more chemical, make it take you two, three, four times the amount of chemical you'd normally need, uh, you, you're going to not get to the fleas. However, if you go out there and you saturate it, and when I talk about saturating, I'm talking about with the water. I'm talking about putting a sprinkler out in the lawn and really soak it. Does that bring them it up? It brings them up. And therefore, then you can take your chemical and spray it. It's going to take you a lot less chemical, and you're going to do a much better job because it's more of the fleas going to come in contact with it. Another thing that's very important is that you really don't want to do it uh, in the middle of the day when the sun is out. Sunlight breaks these chemicals down. So if you do it like after 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening, you're going to know that at least for 10 or 12 hours the, uh, uh, the chemical is going to be full strength and it's going to do its job much more effectively than if you do it in the middle of the day. Could you spray it early in the morning? Yeah, technically you could. But ideally, if you do it late in the evening, uh, again, it's going to be at full strength. And the other thing is what, what do you do? You know, there's, they sell granules out there. And, Jeff, there's different – uh, there's different grades of granules. I don't know how good they are and how long they last. Or do you do liquids? You know, just kind of like with fertilizer, you know, uh, granules will last longer but, but uh, won't work fast. And liquids will work fast but not last long. So usually if you already have the fleas, you do it in combination. 
if you do not, but you know that you have animals or whatever, you know that you normally have a problem, putting granules out help a lot in terms of outdoors. You can just spread them, and they will prevent a lot of them. But once you have it, a combination of both is very, very good, but you're going to have to use the liquid in order to really come in contact and knock them out. Outside, what kind of perimeter are we talking about? You know, generally I tell people it's kind of uh, – usually it's – a person who has an animal, and uh, so it's usually a fenced-in yard, so you want to do a yard. So you're really trying to it, – it's really more to do with people who are, are bringing animals inside and out. And so that's kind of pretty much your yard. I mean, if you, if you have acres, obviously you can't do acres, but it's pretty much the area that the animal is going to be located. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Now, the interior is uh, also a little different, you know, uh, it's it's a it's it's a battle because fleas will get everywhere and, and anywhere. Uh, they can get in the uh, in the sofas. They can get in the carpet. Uh, they are hard to get to. So we always tell people before you do anything is to vacuum the areas out really good, especially the furnitures where you're not going to want to spray all that well. Okay, so you vacuum it out. If you're using a vacuum cleaner bag, you, you immediately discard that bag and. And put it in the garbage can. Then you can use either a combination of liquids and or sprays, fogger sprays. And when it comes to sprays, Jeff, there's different uh, effectiveness depending on brands. I mean, you know, there's commercial brands and there's cost-effective retail brands. You know, use these commercial brands are going to be a little bit more pricier, but boy, they're very, very good. So when you use aerosols or foggers, you can actually get in there really good, especially in the furniture. You can spray it really, really good as opposed to a liquid where you're really not going to want to spray the mm-hmm. sofa all that much. We try to tell people missed it. But these aerosols or foggers are really good for getting in contact with, uh, with areas that, that you are worried about spraying. Are these the kind of things where you need to be out of the house once you set it or – well, if you're going to use a fogger, yes. And generally the rule, but read the directions. Uh, you know, you want to be out for uh, at least two hours. You know, you turn your air conditioner off. But there's also good aerosols that kind of eliminated the necessity of fogs if you do it right, if, especially if you do it in combination with liquids. When it comes to liquids that you mix yourself, Jeff, you know, that there's, there's, there's uh, liquids that get the adults and liquids that get the, uh, the larvae, the eggs. So... You always want to do you don't you don't want to spray and then three days later have the same problem because the eggs hatched. So you always want to use one that's going to be both do the eggs and the adults, and spray and do a combination of spraying and uh, and the uh, aerosol. If you have the aerosol and you come back in three or four days later, especially in the furniture, usually that 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 does the trick. And uh, but if you're fogging. You always want to make sure to to uh, uncover trapped areas, and what I mean by that would be, you know, if you have the curtains and uh, they're hanging down to the ground, kind of pick them up with a with a chair or something so they're elevated. Uh, same thing, uh, the bed, the bedspread, pick it up so you can get under the fog and get underneath the bedspread. You want to look for trapped areas that maybe the fogger won't get to as effectively, and uh, it's a battle because they multiply quickly and they multiply. Uh, in large numbers and so it's uh it's something that people are facing and i guess we've been seeing it for about the last seven days and uh, uh um, it's an issue i guess it's just the time of year gotcha anything else on your mind jeff i think that's it uh i hope everybody had a good safe fourth of july this seems that they hadn't heard too much around your iberia so that's usually a good sign true this time of year so uh if everything's quiet i think that's uh we had a good fourth there you go 
Richard, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. We'll look forward to the next time. Thank you, Jeff.